This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Friday, it's 2018. My name is Jeff Sandu and it's time to Matt's Plane. Today, Culture Pop's Matt Amotech is here to tell us why we've got a reason to be cheerful in the year ahead. So Matt, why are you so cheerful today? Because we've just had Christmas and the sun was shining and mm-hmm. the squirrels were singing Christmas carols to King Jafar. I'm actually thinking, yeah, did you have a stroke, Matt? Uh, yeah, it might seem that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm just happy. Um, listeners may think it's an alien concept for me, but, you know, I've been trying it out. Okay. I tried to smile the other day, but they had to rush me to the emergency room. Apparently Oof. my facial muscles have atrophied. So, yeah, I'm not so supposed to smile. Um, but, you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about all the good things. <laughs> things in science and technology that are going to happen over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. The end of the year is usually, you know, it's a quiet time for technology, but there seems to have been a a flurry of announcements actually over this kind of Mm. Christmas period. Um, Our man Elon has been at it again, this time talking about neuro and biotech and human enhancement. Um, In fact, I'm sure we're going to see some kind of Elonminator before the uh, the end of the year. Um, And of course, the social media giants rounded Mm. off a terrible year with promises to protect users in 2018. Um, So people who listened into last year's Things I Learned episodes will know that I was, you know, cautiously optimistic Mm. about the future. And I think 2018 is a year when a lot of... uh, the issues that we saw in 2017 are actually going to be addressed. I don't necessarily think we'll be happy with all the outcomes, but I think this year is going to see things moving in, you know, a more positive direction. And we're less than a week into the new year, and we've already had one big social media controversy in the shape of Logan Paul and his YouTube post of a dead man near Mount Fiji. Which is, of course, uh, Mm. a great example of what I'm talking about. Um, You get a YouTube moron and he puts up a video of a corpse Mm -hmm. and the internet forces him to take it down. So he felt the weight of public opinion and he removed the video before YouTube's content moderators had time to suspend the clip. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about his apology video. Um, You know, maybe he's learned something, maybe he hasn't. But certainly it will have affected his appeal to brands and sponsors, if maybe not his viewing numbers. Mm. Live by the like, die by the like as well. Which sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. In fact, (laughs) I think it probably was an episode of Black Mirror. Uh, And it's not something I want to go into too deeply today. The morality of social media is a, a topic all on its own. But certainly Logan Paul has learned a lesson about the kind of celebrity and the attention he chases, that it is very fickle. Mm -hmm. And yes, when you're constantly looking for extreme ways to seek attention, then that attention is not always going to be positive. Mm. Do you actually expect social media to improve this year? Actually, I do. Mm. Um, And not just social media. Uh, A lot of tech companies will be looking through the the powder smoke that was Mm. 2017 and wondering, you know, How did it blow up in their their faces? And I think part of that is down to consumer activism. Uh, we've complained a lot about you know the, the Silicon Valley bubble over the last yeah. few months, but I think that bubble is bursting to a, a, a degree. I think the billionaires are being forced to look at the behaviour of their companies. And I'm again, I'm not saying that they enjoy being held to account, um, as we pointed out last year, because adding things like thousands of extra content moderators, it's a huge cost for these huge companies. And not all of these companies are profitable. I mean, you know, we talk about Facebook, but 
whether it's uh, Twitter mm. or Snapchat, a lot of these companies are not actually profitable. So the way we're forcing them to behave and to address their mistakes is actually affecting their bottom line. Mm. And you mentioned the consumer activism part. Uh, I think that's the part that makes me most happy, I guess. Um, for the last few years, the media, including myself from time to time, has been happy to report that you know millennials are apathetic and <laughs> passive and trivial and don't care about anything except their outfit of the day. And I'm happy... Oh, OTD, man. Oh, OTD. Then they don't well, say I've, outfit of the I've day. I've got OOTD written here, but if I say <laughs> OOTD, no there'll one, be... No one says it, though, that... <laughs> of course, but there'll be some people who go... What is an OOTD? Yeah, so exactly. I've said outfit of the day. I've got OOTD written in front of me now. I was just being kind. Anyway, I am happy to say that 2017 proved people like me wrong. Mm. Um, you know, it's fine for me to sit here and bang on about the inequality of our relationship with the um, the tech world. But as outfit of the day has shown, <laughs> I am completely the wrong age group. You know, I'm probably more part of the problem than yeah. the solution yeah. because this is the generation that really understands how all of this technology works and has that innate and natural ability to make it work in their favor. They're way more powerful at this stuff than I could ever be simply because the depth of their understanding mm. is far deeper than mine probably ever will be. So in a sense, you know, this is something that I have to work at where it's, it comes very naturally to them. So I'm very happy that I get to be a follower and leave the tough stuff to people who really know how to get things done. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the reaction to people like Logan Paul. They're finding out that the internet isn't their playground. Mm -hmm. It's actually everybody's playground. Mm -hmm. And if you don't behave or you won't behave, you're going to get chucked out of the sandpit. Mm. Now, we've had a bit of a difference of opinion on the, this next one. What do you think will happen with cryptocurrencies uh, in 2018? Well, like with anything, um, invest what you can lose, mm -hmm. um, not a penny more. Um, and a lot of big businesses make their money trading traditional yeah. currencies. Oh, yeah. Although usually these are quite short-term transactions, you go in and out very, mm. very quickly because we don't normally think of cash as an investment. Uh, and despite what everyone or what anyone might tell you, cryptocurrency is cash. Mm -hmm. It's a liquid asset that you use to settle transactions. And cash is not typically uh, what we consider an investment vehicle. Now, if Listeners uh, mm. disagree with me. They are welcome to, to message Jeff and he will pass on uh, their comments to me. But as we've seen, cryptocurrencies are very, very volatile yeah. and they are largely unregulated. So if fraud occurs, and fraud has occurred a number of times over the last couple of years, you've got nobody to go to to get your money back. Uh -uh. The money is gone. Yep. And because of the nature of the cryptocurrency... It's untraceable. Yeah, it's probably untraceable. Yeah, which is, yeah, you'll never catch these guys anyway. So, yeah, do you think their value is going to continue to rise? In the short term, probably, I think so. Um, but we may be getting too close to the peak for newbies to make kind of spectacular mm. returns. Um, and part of the reason for this kind of dramatic rise is, of course, because there's limited supply. Yeah. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't switch all the world's transactions to Bitcoin because there's not enough Bitcoin. And it's that shortage of supply that's helping to drive up the demand. Uh, and the same, when new currencies emerge, they typically have to be mined. So the supply is also limited. Uh, what's probably kind of most ironic about this bubble is that it's actually slowing down the wider adoption of cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at 
monetary policy um, in in currency in of in any country, what they try to avoid is volatility in the price of that currency. They try and keep the price of a currency stable. Yeah. Um, for transactions to occur smoothly and for high volumes of transactions, you need a stable money supply. You need the price mm. of your money to be a constant. So it's fantastic to wake up the next morning and find your salary is worth double in real terms what it was the day before. But it's completely ruinous to find out it's only worth half what it was the day before. Yeah. And as people in countries with hyperinflation like Venezuela or Zimbabwe are only too aware is, you know, this this kind of hyperinflation, mm. this kind of instability in the price of money can actually really, really damage lives. Mm. Are the currencies attracting the wrong kind of attention? They're definitely starting to attract the attention of central banks <laughs> and not normally in a good way. Um, here in Malaysia, Bank Nagara has moved to make it more difficult to yeah. gain access to cryptocurrencies. It's making it hard to gain access to the exchanges. And I think we're going to see a lot of other countries following suit across 2018 as more of these currencies are launched and the sector grows in size and value. Um, but don't let that put you off the concept. Blockchain and cryptocurrencies are going to become increasingly integral parts mm. of our daily lives. The, ten the technology has a lot of potential applications that would make finance, and not just finance, a lot of other trans uh, transactions, including things like voting, far more transparent. Mm. Blockchain itself, the technology itself will be there. Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's for, so yeah, flexible, yeah. 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 Mm, we, can, mm. we can build Anything. so many transactional relationships on them, yeah. Mm, mm. I think that's the first time we've actually talked about, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or blockchain in a proper manner on the show for the first time ever. Well, you know, we're just kind of phasing <laughs> it in because it's this, it's this thing that people don't really get but yeah, now yeah. now it's become this speculative yeah. um th thing so people are a lot more interested so we can talk about it without people <laughs> going oh gosh i think i'm gonna fall asleep <laughs> well if you are we are going to go for a short break uh do do wake up in just a moment because uh we will be coming or back. not or not or not uh but do stay up in just a moment because uh, we will continue the discussion on reasons to be cheerful according to matt armitage from culture pop yeah <laughs> even even if you fall asleep Please leave autoplay on because we need the ratings. BFM 89.9. Business for Malaysia. BFM 89.9. And we're back and uh, we're doing reasons to be cheerful in 2018, according to Matt Armitage from Culture Pop. Now, before the break, Matt was delivering his cultural weather forecast for 2018. Consumers, uh, sunny with occasional showers, tech companies, cloudy with storms ahead and cryptocurrencies liable to floods. So, Matt, what trends should we look out for in 2018? There's loads of cool stuff about to happen, and we'll be talking about some mm. more cool stuff in Geek Squawk as well, so stay around for that one. Um, let's go back to Elon Musk. As I said <laughs> this week, he was talking about neurotechnology and human enhancement, which, of course, takes us into the realms of artificial intelligence. Mm. So we told a story in Geeks a few weeks ago about a guy who was hacking his own DNA and injecting himself with all kinds of uh, weird enhancements. Of course, um, that made a lot of people, uh, if not nervous, then I think uh, they get this kind of sense of revulsion when people are trying to change the um, the kind of essence of what they are. In this case, the the parts of them that we, we call the, the kind of building blocks of life. So are we going to see more gene trials this year then, Matt? Well, yes, definitely. Mm. 2018, we'll see the first human trials using mm. the CRISPR technology mm. to treat a blood disorder called 
beta thalassemia. Uh, that would be carried out by a company called CRISPR Therapeutics in the U.S., um, and it's also getting to the stage where we'll see CRISPR trials for sickle cell anemia through the Stanford School of Medicine. I know a lot of people are very conflicted when it comes to this kind of technology, yeah. and they do have a right to be wary. But it's going to be very exciting to see these otherwise untreatable diseases conquered. Mm. That's the enhancement part. What about artificial intelligence? In our year-end Geek Squawk, one of my top picks was uh, screenless technology. Um, I mentioned that I, I think uh, we're going to see developments in things like Alexa and Google Home. Um, one of the big limitations of using screenless devices, especially at the point we're at now where they're not particularly versatile, is actually in letting people know what they can actually do with the devices. Uh, one way, of course, is to email or text message users or send them push notifications to update them on the, the latest functionality. Mm -hmm. uh, which defeats the point because the idea of these devices is to free you from that kind of you know, very slow back and forth. Uh, which is exactly right. That's mm. the biggest weakness with these devices at the moment. Um, the biggest issue really is communication. At the moment, the communication is very one way. You speak to the device your commands are translated somewhere up in the cloud, and then they're beamed back to the device, which then carries them out. You're not actually having a conversation with the device. So I think we're going to see a lot of the big boys integrating feedback into the modules over the next 12 months. And actually, one of the more unlikely companies doing research in this area is uh, the British Broadcasting Corporation, you know, the TV network in the UK, mm -hmm. which is working with Amazon and Google on ways to develop new narrative and editorial structures using these devices. So they can actually come up with kind of interactive content. Uh, that, that uses the devices. Mm. So it, it could be an entirely new kind of storytelling. But what all of these things have in common is that they require some kind of conversation. So I think we're probably going to see some kind of chatbot being embedded into these devices this year. And that will give us the semblance of, you know, some kind of backwards and forwards relationship while they work on the, the more complex communication methods and get them perfected. Mm. Where else do you think we'll see AI this year? Well, you gamers may be coming mm -hmm. into uh, closer contact with AI than you realize this year. Um, one of the reasons that DeepMind was uh, able to conquer the game Go so quickly was that it was able to carry on thousands of concurrent games with itself. And that massively sped up the learning process. It was able to come to, you know, the level of a master within, you know, a couple of hours. Mm. Um, Games are a lot more useful to artificial intelligence, and video games especially, a lot more useful to AI than people might believe. Uh, we pay so much attention to the physics of a lot of these blockbuster titles, so they actually make really great training grounds for computer intelligence. So, for example, a lot of the software that runs autonomous cars gets tested in games like Grand Theft Auto, um, <laughs> where the, the, you know, the aim of the software is not to create mayhem, but to drive safely within the mayhem, yeah. within this chaotic and dangerous environment, and observe the normal rules of, of driving. So next time you log on or, or to whatever Steam <laughs> or Xbox Live, it might be worth wondering mm. whether your teammate is actually a spotty teenager in Spokane or actually a binary being living somewhere in a cloud. Mm. Now, we touched on the social media companies at the start of the year. Do you think we'll see more or less of it this year? 
Well, this is kind of a pivotal year for companies like Facebook and Twitter yeah. uh, and to an extent Google as well. Now that the social media companies have admitted that their systems were manipulated by you know, actors who mm. wanted to influence the U.S. elections, it's going to be interesting to see how well their new safeguards work because this is another election year for the yeah. U.S. We're in the midterm elections. So we're going to see some epic white hat versus black hat hacking battles this year as the big tech companies seek to bolster their defenses and keep their platforms relatively neutral. Mm. At the same time, I think the opposition is going to come up with a whole new arsenal of online weapons and ways to game those systems. And what makes it more interesting this time around is that the tech companies are fully aware that the attacks are coming and that the opposition will be doubling its efforts to try and manipulate the systems. There's not going to be any standing down. This is literally going to be, you know, one of those big sea battles with everyone putting all of their ships facing each other (laughs) and firing at point-blank range at each other. So it's going to be very interesting and probably quite scary to see who wins. Now, that was the fake stuff. Tell us something real. Well, I think 2018 will be the year that vertical and urban gardening take off in a really Mm. big way. Mm. Uh, Of course, you know, there are two main areas. One is the commercial farming and the other is, you know, people like you and me growing their own food (laughs) in apartments and houses. On the commercial end, it's about making use of space in cities and about making food more local and sustainable and shortening the supply chain. On a personal level, it's about, you know, not being fake, getting mm. real. Um, you're not going to be able to grow all your own food in a one-bedroom studio apartment, obviously, but you might be surprised at what you can grow and how much satisfaction you get from putting your hands into the, the dirt. And it is an area that's already growing here in Malaysia. There are a number of stores and startups that are catering to a, a new breed of gardener who mm. is swapping their gardenias for their, you know, their greens. And a lot of money internationally is also being poured into vertical farming startups. Um, They don't actually have to be um, city-based or urban-based, but saving space and reducing the the use of water and pesticides and fertilizers is a big part of their uh, modus operandi. It looks like Amazon is betting quite heavily Mm. on the technology. Um, Jeff Bezos is funding the... um, Uh, one big San Francisco startup, which is aiming to roll out massive indoor farms across the U.S. US. It already has two, one in San Francisco and another in Amazon's home in Seattle. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more locally sourced produce and locally sourced as in Mm. the building next door to you. Mm. I'm actually quite a big fan of these vertical farmings. I've seen one in Singapore and I was like blown away by it. It was just a small one, but it was still such a... It's a, it's a sight to, to, to look well, at. Well, yeah, of course, because, you know, we're used to everything being grown in yeah. a field, which yeah. is laid out in front of you. And mm. here, everything's in, mm. a, in a wall and the water trickles down. And the it, OCD in me loves it. Yeah, mm. well, it, I know. It's like organization <laughs> yeah. so for food. Yeah. So let's finish with your top tip of uh, 2018 then. Okay, I'm not sure if this is my top tip because it's not <laughs> the technology that I'm most passionate about, but it's definitely something mm. we're going to see a lot more of this year. Um, augmented reality has been around for quite a few years already certainly for as long as our our phones have been powerful enough to run decent cameras and have good data connections at the same time 
it's a technology that has been hyped and hyped, but it's never really found its audience. It's never really found that that niche. Mm. And in the same way that you were saying that Bluetooth is suddenly cool after, you know, two decades in the wilderness, I think this year is augmented reality's turn to be cool yeah. because, you know. Th- over the last few years, we've put a lot more attention on virtual reality than, than AR. But the thing is, AR is actually a lot more usable than yeah. VR because it's a layer on top of what you already see rather than blocking yeah. out your, your actual <laughs> reality. Um, we've already had a taste of it with Pokemon Go um, because I think it's going to be the gaming world that will lead us into this era of usable AR. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more games hitting the market this year. And I think by the end of 2018, a lot of us are going to be staring at the world through our phones. Oh, no. So that's your prediction then? Everyone's just going to be walking around with... Well, yeah, with the phone in front of their face, but looking through it rather than... <laughs> I, I, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit oh, weird, but, you know, yeah. everyone's going to have really nice bicep muscles. Yeah. Or someone's going to come up with a Kickstarter project of like a, a cap that has a phone holder that you could stick a phone... I'm sure someone's done this Don't before. Don't give away my idea. <laughs> we'll be right back with Geek Squawks after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.